Right, so we start the show as we do uh, every Sunday evening, chatting to our political analyst Theo Fenter. We call it That Was The Week That Was, and it's time for us to take a look back at some of the big news stories making headlines, uh, not just this weekend, but over the past seven days too. Theo, welcome to Late Night. It's great to have you uh, back with us this uh, Sunday evening. So it's been uh, quite an interesting week. Let's start with uh, the um, reply by opposition parties to the President's Sona speech uh, and a number of accusations uh, being uh, thrown Ramaphosa's way. Um, let's start with that then. What did you make of uh, Lakota's allegations and uh, Ramaphosa's uh, subsequent denials when it came to uh, the allegations of uh, Ramaphosa selling out his comrades to the security police and then uh, going free as a reward uh, when uh, Lakota and others were sent to prison. Yeah, that was quite interesting and I think it also provided us with some insight in terms of the very difficult times um, in the 70s um, because basically um, they were talking about the period 1973 until 76 through the Soweto uprisings and things and and to some people it's a, it's a long way back, but for them it's clearly still a living memory. And the um, the accusation came from from somebody. Remember, they were together in this several times. Um, other people with terror in the same kind of group. Some pictures available in in, in books published were um, Popo Malefe and. Um, people like that. And the one thing that I also saw published somewhere was lots of them were caught by the police from time to time, but somehow Cyril slipped, except for the cases that he mentioned where he was in solitary confinement. And I think um, when you do something like what um, Terra Lakota did, it is usually a very high-stakes game that you put up and see what comes out. But I think, in my view, um, Cyril provided or used the opportunity to put the record straight. He, he, he somehow included Malema in terms of some of the stories that Malema um, um, spread in London and things like that. So I think, politically speaking, he utilized the accusations. Whether the story is going to rest, I'm not so sure, because one of the things, when you have these factions in the ANC, they live on conspiracies. And if you have something like that, which is not completely answered, then very often um, it lingers on. What's, the, what's the, the, the medicine for this, if you want to call it that? I think the truth. I think coming clean, saying things, and three or four things that he mentioned were some of the things that I heard previously in other discussions, that his father was a sergeant in the old South African police force. Well, he came clear about that, and he mm. mentioned that. And the role he's, his father played in this, because some of the stories I heard years ago were that that is exactly why he was never caught. Well, he answered that story, I think, fairly comprehensively. And now the question is... Um, whether Terry Lakota uh, used this as a, a form of political opportunism, and what's the role of the EFF? Because they seem very enthusiastically um, uh, welcoming Lakota's accusations. But I guess 
this is all happening in the silly season before an election. Many people will, will ask, though, why, why now? Why make the allegations now? Within the ANC, very often, especially, and I, again, the context I'm putting is, is, the, uh, is the factions and, and how people are looking at each other. They're in the same political party. They support the same policies. But, my boy, the competition for who's in control is fierce. Uh, for instance, Ace Magashule, um, in, nin- in 1984, when there was a huge disturbance in the Val Triangle, Cebu King and those places, Ace actually was the man that, that caused this unrest in the Val Triangle. And then a lot of stories about Ace was also emerging. And you will remember um, in the Scorpion time, um, Bulelani Nguka was also um, accused of being a spy. There was even a, a commission, the Year Commission, the Yefer Commission this time, in, into, into whether uh, Bulelani Nguka could have been a spy, and they found no evidence. So again, these things are what conspiracies are made of. Um, and I think the factions are driving this, nobody else. And, I mean, how damaging is this likely to be to, to Ramaphosa? Is this the start of, of an anti-Ramaphosa rhetoric, uh, making a case to, to get rid of him? I think that, um, or, or remember now, it's coming from Terra Lakota. It wasn't coming from sure. the ANC mm, itself. Mm. Um, but uh, they, play in, they played in um, on, on this game, yeah, potentially um, damaging. But I think the way he spent in his response to the Sona, I think he spent, I didn't count the time, but to me it sounded like about half an hour talking about this, which is a huge time while we're all suffering an ESCOM problem, which should take all his time. Let's move on to to ESCOM, of course, which uh, the, has got the country absolutely uh, hopping mad. Um, and uh, during his Sona speech, uh, Ramaphosa was very clear about government's plan to unbundle ESCOM into three uh, entities. How easy will it be to convince unions um, that this is necessary for the country? Well... <laughs> three or four things emerge out of this. Firstly, um, he said in his sona that in his presidency he would like to bring about policy certainty, and he would like to 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 um, end the story that um, government's uncertainty about policy is causing a lot of disinvestment and these kind of things. Well, in this week. Um, Maybe it's not uncertainty, more ambiguity, um, because he said it will be divided into three. And then um, he said, um, well, he was was very iffy about privatization, didn't denounce it. And then Ace came in and said, no um, privatization. And then in his Sona reply, he also echoed that. So where are we? We know that these monopolies, utilities in the world, there are several examples. The only way to get them out of trouble is to break them up in smaller parts and then at least sell off some of the parts, which is in part privatization. Um, now he has killed the, the issue of privatization 
in this political ambiguity within the ANC, or is this thing that there will be no privatization, is this code for saying no privatization until the election, but watch me after the election. Um, the, the, so what, what he, he just created more uncertainty rather than to end it. Breaking up, well, it's, it's easy. He mentioned the three parts, the generation parts, of course, the power stations, some of them. I think Kuberg in the Western Cape will stay government-owned. Uh, um, then distribution, which is all the, tele- all the lines taking the power. And then distribu- um, a transmission, I mean, is the lines. Distribution is selling the electricity. Now, some of those elements can easily uh, be uh, in the form of a private-public uh, partnership of some kind. Um, and then you can make each of these power stations a cost unit. You can determine whether Madupi is actually working or whether Kusili is actually working, and you can get money for paying that. So what they're doing with this breakup, they're in fact dividing the debt of $420 billion into three portions of, let's say, $200 million each. There's been uh, talk, and there was a, an article in the Sunday Times today um, around uh, the crisis um, at, at, at ESCOM and the load shilling, which thankfully we haven't seen this weekend, but certainly saw last week, uh, being as a result of generators being sabotaged. Um, and the question, uh, was ESCOM, the ESCOM crisis deliberately created to undermine these unbundling plans? What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on sabotage generally is that if you're running out of stories, then sabotage is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Just, think about, just think about Donald Trump for a moment. I know we're not discussing it, but, but using the avenue of declaring a state of emergency on the southern border, which we know there is not, but to use that to get the money, well, that is a political mechanism he used. Now, sabotage is very much the same thing. If you, if you can't give clear-cut answers because the answers are situated either in poor management or poor decision-making or bad decisions years ago, whatever the case may be, Um, sabotage suddenly focuses the mind. It says, okay, somebody is there trying to get get us in 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 a spot of bother. I do not think sabotage is a, is a, a, a real and present danger at, at ESCOM. We know the unions have, have done things to the detriment of, of ESCOM uh, with coal a few months ago. Um, but whether, you know, sabotage is a very serious matter. It means somebody's out there because the definition of sabotage is really destroying the state. And the state belongs to all of us. The state is not the ANC. The state is what, what makes up this thing called South Africa. And, um, but I see in the, in the commission or the committee, um, or the, um, the group that Ramaphosa has um, put together, the police and the security agencies are all represented there, um, in a sense, to give this level of urgency. While we're talking about this, I think, we will hear it this week in the budget that um, Tito Mbuweni is going to to become close to calling the ESCOM thing an economic emergency um, mm. to to 
to justify some of the urgent matters that is really needed. Why is it so important? Well, ESCOM represents 15 to 20 percent of South Africa's sovereign debt. Now, the word sovereign and sovereign debt means it is the country's um, debt. Um, and so if 20% of your debt is looking bad and, and, and then ESCOM has to pay 50 billion rand annually to service the interest on that 420 billion rand debt. Um, and they don't make that amount of money. So they're not going to be able to pay their 50 billion debt this month or this year. Um, and uh, so I think some urgent matters are coming and sabotage is not helping in this context, but it creates the kind of urgency that politicians from time to time need to get a decision. Theo, you said their government isn't the state, but do you think that it's very difficult uh, to, or as far as it's very easy to, to forget that um, when um, we have issues like load shedding, and particularly uh, as we're heading into an election? Do you think that uh, uh, the electorate is likely to uh, remember uh, that government is in fact not the, uh, the state when heading into the election? Yeah. Well, well I, I'm glad you picked up on that point because it's a salient point, but a very important point. Um, and where you have countries um, where there are general um, changes in government, then, where, then most of the electorate knows that the ruling party basically has the reins of this thing called the state for the next four or five years. But the state doesn't belong to them. But if you have a party that's in, in power, like the old Nationalist Party for 40 years, or the Nationalist Party... It's weird that the same name in Sweden for 45 years or even the ANC for 25 years, that distinction kind of fades away. It's as if the state is the ruling party, mm. which, of course, it's not. And in the Western Cape, you are actually very fortunate to see that the provincial government is not mm. the mm. national government. Mm. So things are looking different and, and they, they operate different. And um, by the way, this was the last um, State of the Province address of Premier Helen Ziller. Yes. And, and while I'm talking about political parties and the state, I think we need to give her some recognition. She said a lot of very controversial things on Twitter, and she loves these kind of, of interactions. But if you look strictly to the governance and the governing of the Western Cape, I think it's easy to say that she was probably the most efficient premier in the last 10 years in our provincial governing system. And on that note, Theo, we're going to have to, we're going to have to leave it because we've fast run out of time. But yes, a, a, a nod of the, a nod of the head, a doffing of the cap to, uh, to Helen Ziller, who, of course, yes, her last uh, state of the province address. Uh, Theo, as always, a pleasure to chat to you. Thanks so much for unpacking uh, some of these issues uh, for us. And uh, we will chat, hopefully, with the lights on next week.